Yeah, absolutely. So we can start with Bellator. Um, they were in Russia, so they had quite a few Russians on there. So it was, um, oh, okay. I, I that makes sense I, now. Yeah, I think it was a pr- it was a pretty sturdy card for him. Um, but yeah, if, jumping right into that one, I think that's the one that drew any attention to it. Um, I mean, Tim Johnson's you know pretty legit. I mean, he fought in UFC for a while, kind of win loss, win loss kind of guy. And then in Bellator, he um, he beat Matt Mitrione, beat uh, Congo, so um, he's pretty well established but anyway so so the fight um johnson was the one coming forward and and um fedor was you know he was game he was in there with him and uh was about just under two minutes um he just caught him with uh with a combination you know right hook left hook that just put him down and ended it you know just you know with fedor's power the way he's able to do that but I appreciated the way that both of them were were willing to go the, in there and fight, as opposed to some of the fights that that we see where where neither one wants to really engage. <laughs> so, was there right. any talk about Fedor like trying to make another run at this, or was it just kind of a, you know, hey, they're in Russia, we got to have Fedor on the card, which he's undefeated in Russia, by the way. Yeah, um, I I think as far as you know, Bellator looks at it that he's legit contender still. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you mention Fedor, you think right away maybe there's a chance he's a legit contender. But if he's undefeated in Russia, is it really because? I mean, I hate to be conspiratorial here, but like that's Russia's star, right? Or the MMA goes, and what Putin wants, Putin gets. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess this was his first fight since December 2019, when he knocked out Rampage. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, I'd I'd say that that he's near the top. Bader's he lost the light heavyweight, but he was the light heavyweight and the heavyweight champion, kind of dominating there for a while. So, that, I mean, that I mean, I guess that's a possibility. I'm not sure who else is really um, up there to face Bader right now. Okay, but so does this speak against um, Bellator's heavyweight division compared to UFC's heavyweight division? That's a good point. How old is Fedor? I think um, they... Yeah, I was going to say they have names, but it's more, you know, fighters that are past their prime. Uh, Yeah. Um, at least in the heavyweight division that I know of. I know they got a few names in the other divisions that uh, are arguably contenders to be if they were to fight in the UFC. Um, but as far as heavyweights, I haven't seen uh, any heavyweight names that didn't get crushed in the UFC. Matt Mitrion is a great fighter, and he did decent in the UFC, but he didn't get. there was no way he was taking the belt. Yeah, I guess. Let me see. I'm trying to look up the um, their rankings just to kind of look over it and stuff. I've got um, it here, actually. For their heavyweights? Yeah, it looks like uh, it's got Ryan Bader at the top, uh, Valentin Moldovsky, uh, Timothy Johnson, Chet Congo, Tyrell Fortune, Linton Vassell, uh, Stephen Mowry, Davion Franklin, Said Soma, 
and Gokan Seracum, <laughs> I guess. And then uh, Jack Hagar, uh, <laughs> he used to be in WWE, Jack's, Jack Swagger. Uh, it's kind of funny that he's ranked number 10 there. <laughs> uh, but some of these guys, I just think that where they haven't been UFC, we don't really recognize them. Like, I don't know how good Moldovsky or mm-hmm. uh, Fortune are. So, I mean, those, I mean, those could be two decent guys right there. Um, well, how long have they been in Bellator? Do you know just roughly? Let's see. Moldovsky, he's six and zero. Oh, it looks like, so he's okay. been in there. Right. For, it's about four years. Yeah. So what's interesting too is a lot of these. Um, you don't really see a lot of people come from Bellator to UFC. I mean, we saw Michael Chandler, but outside of that, there doesn't really seem to be these people transition from Bellator, even if they get to that point where they've established themselves. So that's kind of interesting in my opinion but i mean uh, askren but that was a light that was a light call yeah yeah that, <laughs> yeah that, that is interesting that, i wonder how much of that is bellator paying their their fighters better and how much of that is you know obviously the more fighters dana would sign from bellator the more more credit it gives to bellator yeah um, i'm pretty sure he's thinking about that definitely yeah, it might be a little bit of, of both there going on. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, but it would also make Bellator look like more of a, a feeder league too. If if it's like once you reach the top of Bellator, then you move on to UFC as a as opposed to like a direct competitor. But um, that's a good point. But yeah, that's uh, hard to tell. So yeah, I'm not sure what <clears throat> they want to do with Emilianenko, but he didn't look. Like he didn't belong in there. I mean, he looked like, like a heavyweight. Like he still can can carry his own. And of course, with it being under two minutes, you don't know, yeah, you know, gas tank wise or things like that. Um, if that would have made a difference, it, it probably would have. But um, he didn't need it. Still has the power. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other fights. Let me see that. The second one was another heavyweight one. Uh, Minikov was a guy who used to be heavyweight champion for Bellator. Um, and he was coming in against Thalma, who's ranked number eight. Um, and that was kind of a back and forth fight. I think Minikov won the first round. And then where Salma's the younger guy, he kind of won the second. And uh, the only reason I'm really talking about it is in the third round, um, Minikov dislocated his finger. And so that's the stoppage. So he he kind of steps back and disengages. He's trying to put his finger back in place, and <laughs> and so Salma's giving him a chance to do that. And I might have missed it, but I didn't see the ref say anything, or he just stopped the fight. And you know he wasn't fighting. I don't I don't know how you expect him to fight with that, but um, but yeah, it stopped just because of that that finger being dislocated on his left hand. That's interesting. So his opponent actually kind of hesitated and was going to let him pop it back in place. Yeah, yeah. Salmo, you know, stepped back. He was giving him a chance. He wasn't like huh. engaging. Yeah. What do y'all think about the ref's decision to do that? I mean, it's tough because it it wasn't any legal uh, blow. So you have like a legal 
situation happens, so there's not really a way to stop the fight, you know, in that circumstance. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you should tell a fighter with a dislocated finger keep fighting. I don't know how you know if it's gonna hurt his hand more or you know what what's gonna happen there. But I, he didn't give him any kind of warning at all. He just said, "Oh, he just stopped the fight." Okay, I, I disagree with the ref's decision. I'll tell you why. Because normally if you get a bad eye poke or you get a busted nose, you get a uh, cut above your eye or whatever, they'll have a doctor come in and look it over and tell, and tell the ref whether or not you uh, have the ability to continue the fight. Mm-hmm. And I was the ref thought he quit. Right. Was there any indication that the ref might have thought that he quit? Look, I mean, he wasn't fighting. They both just stopped fighting. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's what he was thinking, that he just had, had stopped fighting because of it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think it's kind of odd just to go straight to stoppage instead of, you know, calling the doctor in and giving a few minutes to check out the situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's something we don't see very often in, in that situation, which kind of threw me off, too. Uh, but the only real name I think we were looking at besides uh, Fedor was Dermagomedov. Mm-hmm. So he came in there. You know, he's, I think, I'm pretty sure he's undefeated, uh, Usman. And the guy that he was fighting, I think his record was 11 and 8. So it was like from the very beginning, it was like, why is he fighting this guy? Like, this guy doesn't (laughs) seem like he's on his level at all. And he just made quick work of him. He submitted him pretty quickly. And so it didn't really prove anything, though. It was like, well, I think we already had an idea that he was that good. So, Hmm. (laughs) yeah. Rear naked choke. Yeah. Yeah, rear naked choke. And we know he didn't, like, step in to replace somebody or anything like that. That's what I wondered. I mean, that would make more sense to me if he was, like, an injury replacement, but I haven't followed the card enough or anything to know right. if that's if that's what had happened. Right. I'm looking at the... Okay, go ahead, finish. I didn't hear them mention that when they were talking about the fight, because usually that's something they'll throw in there, like, he stepped in on two weeks notice to take on this undefeated fighter, but I didn't hear them mention anything like that. Okay. I was just going over the whole card, main card and preliminary. There's a name at the bottom that caught my eye and I, I could swear it, that's been a big name before Alexander Ostrov. Doesn't that strike a bell with anyone? He's on the bottom of the preliminary card. I don't see no pictures, so I don't know if this is someone completely different or not, but I could have swore that's a name that used to be in the UFC. Hmm. I'm not sure. Was it Trav? Let me see. Yeah, bottom of the preliminary card, Aiden Lee defeats Alexander Ostrov via submission, rear naked choke. Round one, three minutes, 41 seconds. It doesn't look like he's been in the UFC. He's he was an M1, and he's he's just like a a kid, twenty five years old. So oh, uh, must be someone with a similar or same name that I'm thinking of. I could also be confusing it with an old Pride fighter too. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah but it's... go ahead. I think that pretty much covers what happened with Bellator. I mean, I, there wasn't a whole lot more, in my opinion, with it. I didn't see the prelims or anything else, but that I think is what most people were interested in were those were those main fights right there. That's pretty much what I was going to say. We'll move on to the UFC. So uh, what are some of the main fights on the UFC card? And one thing I'll say about the UFC one too is that the refs, they really had a chance to impact each of these. And I think they did really well in each, each situation that they were in. Um, I think we can move past the first. There was actually six cards on the main fight or six fights on the main card. Um, the first one was just like a, a quick knockout by these two light heavyweights that I don't know. Uh, Nego Mariano knocked out the other guy. Uh, but if we move past that one, we had Francisco Trinaldo, which I think we all know him. He's mm-hmm. uh, He's been, I think it's the 24th fight in the UFC. And um, and he was fighting Grant, and uh, Grant was the taller guy with with the reach advantage and all of that, and it kind of went back and forth. Uh, but what was interesting was in the third round, Trinaldo got a point taken away for um, for eye pokes. Mm-hmm. He he poked oh. him either. I think he had warned him earlier in the fight. You know, keep your fingers down. You know, either make a fist or, you know, don't have your fingers going forward. And then later when he poked him, he he took the point away. And at least in my opinion, that was enough for for Dwight to win it. But they still gave it to um, Trinaldo as a split decision. But um, but I just wanted to give the ref credit because it, he did actually take a point. There's so many times it seems like they warn him, and there's like two or three eye pokes, and they still don't do anything about it, which just seems ridiculous. Right. Right. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of amazing. Normally, if it's a close fight, normally those po- one point deduction normally throws it. Yeah, um, and it, and it was a close fight, so that was that was surprising to me that they still gave it to um to Trinaldo. Um, and it's crazy to me too. He's he's forty three years old, and he and he still looked like he deserved to be in there too. Like we're seeing all these guys that are even though they're getting older in age, that they're still hanging in there. Well, I mean, he'll. Uh... Uh, Randy Couture fought into his 40s. Dan Henderson was high in his 40s, and they were they were winning belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought you know they were the rare exception. But yeah, that next fight, okay, go ahead. And I was gonna say, I think other sports maybe condition us more to that too, because it's even rare to see you know an NBA player in their 40s or. You know, outside of Tom Brady, an NFL player, that kind of thing. So we're used to those shorter careers. But, but yeah, they're definitely making a go at it. I do agree that um, that other sports kind of, you know, make us think that. But we are still, we, the MMA is really still young. And the, 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 the athletes developing. I got I to gotta step away. Okay. Y'all go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So, but I was thinking that the athletes, we, they're, the UFC, the MMA in general, has been fairly young as far as sports go, and that the athletes are finding their niches. And they actually got a jump start 
and compared to other sports because they have, you know, developed when all the science and health has started um, really coming forward with knowing how to uh, keep the body conditioned and stuff like that. But uh, a basketball player also plays 82 games or I don't, I know it used to be 82 games a season. A fighter fights maybe three, maybe four times in one year tops. Granted, they do have their training camps, but you know what I mean? So I, I think they, they're, I think they have an advantage and they can fight longer than we're yet to see exactly how long they're able to on uh, average. Yeah. And that's, that's a very good point that the, um, compared to other leagues, just how young it is, um, you know, really leads a lot to still be found out about that. Absolutely. Now I'm really interested in this next fight. Alex, uh, uh, God, I can't pronounce that right now. Yeah, it it was the one that I had the most divided feelings about. I, I was really uh, the most interesting fight, and I thought there was the most that happened to discuss. Uh, so first of all, I mean, Alex Caceres, I mean, in my mind, he's still like this young kid that's coming out there, not really taking his fight seriously. And he, I looked at it, and he's 33 now. He's been in, in the UFC for 10 years. Yeah, so he's come that, off it, the ultimate fighter. It kind of blows my mind, but yeah, he's he's definitely been. Even though he still has that kind of carefree attitude, um, you know, he's not coming in there like Diego Sanchez or something. But um, he he looked good with. I mean, the way he always does with his movement and his footwork and all of that. He he still looked very good, and um, even with that, um, Choi was the better striker. Uh, so really? Choi, yeah. So Choi was the better striker. He was. He was. The shots that were making an impact were Choi's. But what happened was uh, late in the first round, um, they had um, gotten into a scramble, and as they were getting up, Choi kneed him in the head. Uh, and oh. it was, yeah, it was it was an illegal strike. So they so they stopped it and they gave. Um, Caceres a, f- a few minutes to clear his head uh, and luckily it, it wasn't bad enough to have to stop the fight um, I th- they probably took a point away too I, f- I forget if they did or not but they probably took a point from, from Choi too um, and then going into the second round you know Choi still looked like a better striker but um, Caceres managed to tie it and that does and I don't mean that Caceres looked bad because Caceres still looked very good with with his movement, everything else, um, even though they're in different weight classes, with O'Malley being a a, um, a bantamweight, I think it would be interesting to see a fight like that, like Caceres and O'Malley. Um, that's just random, but uh, I kind of like the, the the way they the way they both move and the way they both fight. That would be enjoyable, but uh, the weight class could be a problem. Yeah, I think that would be the main issue, um, but but then he 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 manages to get into a grapple with Choi and uh, and submits him. So I I was surprised. I thought Choi was going to win that, but Caceres did pull it out, and that actually makes five in a row that he's won now. Really? So he's uh, he's finally getting a groove. 
It, yeah, it looks like it. Because a long time when I was looking back, you, you know, it was win one, lose one. You know, every time that he moved forward, he took a step back. So it, and it looks like he may have turned a corner there. So he looked. He looked good, and I was I was glad that they didn't stop the fight, so he had a chance to win that one. Yeah, that, that's so. Choi acts when you you seen the fight, right? So he knees him in the head. Uh, does it look like that could have been avoided? Did it look like you know he thought his his you know the um, Alex was coming up, and like he like he thought it was going to be legal? Like, how did that look? Yeah, I th- I think he thought it was legal. Um, I mean, he he could and should have been more careful with it. You know, uh, it wasn't like the situation that we saw with with uh, with Jan and Sterling, where that was just a blatant knee to a downed opponent. Opponent, um, but uh, I mean, it, it was clearly illegal. But it I don't think it, it was any intention for it to be illegal. Right, but you said they they might have. You don't remember to the doctor point, and if they would doctor point off that 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 knee must have been pretty significant to have Alex kind of on you know uh, a different frame, you know, kind of almost knock him out. Yeah, he was dazed when he came up, and he stumbled around a little bit. So it, yeah, it definitely did some damage when it landed. And how do you feel about that rule about a knee and a downed opponent? okay with it because i think that i guess it depends on how you look at the fights i think that protects fighters uh because that could be a a pretty dangerous um strike but also i mean if you're going in and you're training for it and you're prepared for it you know that that's would end fights a lot more quickly we'd see (laughs) we'd see that more often True. Then that that's my point. My point is uh you can elbow on the ground, which will more likely cut up the opponent. Right. But you're not allowed to knee him, which could it stop the fight. And my opinion, I think it should be allowed because it's closer to an actual fight. And uh yeah, if you as long as you give these people to train for being in that position, then a um, north south position to be that much more deadly. The, you know how you get you see fighters they get into north south positions, and there's a there's not much they can work with, especially if the uh the person underneath them has good submission defense or right. both of them. And so, you, your weapons are very limited in that. And but a north south position, if you were allowed to, pride used to, if you were allowed to knee into the head while on to a down opponent i think that is more realistic and people would be more trained and they wouldn't be diving down to their knees to stop from getting struck on from getting kicked or kneed in the head now i 100 percent agree with not no soccer kicks i wouldn't go that far but soccer kicks i still would say are should be and be legal just because of the power generated from it right but i think I think if you can Muay Thai pull someone's head down and knee them in the head or fly a knee or look what happened to Askren, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> the same thing as having a downed opponent, but it makes the ground and pound game even more dangerous. 
and more of a threat. I'm yeah. good with it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. What was you saying, TJ? I heard you chime in. I'm good with it. I mean, let's make this as vicious as we can. <laughs> so, so you want soccer kicks too? Why not? You don't want to get soccer kicked. Get off the damn ground. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with not having soccer kicks. Someone could die from soccer kicks. I mean, someone could die in general, but I mean, you're talking about a lot of power. Yeah, but, but they had soccer kicks in pride, right? Nobody died. Yes. Yeah, but have you seen Vanderlei Silva's highlight reels of soccer kicks? <laughs> it's scary, yeah, but... It's very scary. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's a different weapon, and they could train for it. I don't... I think soccer kicks is a bit too far. I think they need to allow knees uh, knees to down opponents because that just kind of handicaps the fight as soon as it hits the ground or leaning up against the cage. Just imagine when Chell Sonnen hit the back of the cage and Anderson Silva dove for his chest and everybody thought that he caught him in the face, but he kneed him straight in the chest. Imagine if that would have been his head. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think... Soccer kicks too much, knees to the head good, and they need to bring in 12-6 elbow. Everything but the soccer kicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everything but the soccer kicks. And fish hooking, eye gouging, and nut punching. Everything else we're good. Wow, let's let's just make it slap boxing. Well, I'm not. <laughs> you make it sound like I just took away. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowing everything here. Just no fish hooking. Like there's, there's already no fish hooking, and you know what fish hooking is, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, it took me actually a few years before I found out. <laughs> but uh, no fish hooking, no nut punching. No soccer kicks. Then I think everything else should be legit. They can even bring in, you know, Dim Mock. <laughs> I would say no uh, nut shots for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just a side point, and I'll try to mark this at the 30-minute mark-ish. Um, I'm on call. Like I said, I'm on call until tomorrow night at midnight, so... Uh, and I have a situation going on right now, so I don't know when I'll be pulled again. But just oh, okay. FYI, so, that's that's what's going on. Fair yeah. enough. I kind of thought yeah. there was something similar to that. Oh, but we're doing the best we can. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's. We're moving on. Did you catch the way he was talking about the Alex uh, and Choi fight? No, I missed that one. I was ready for that one though, because I love uh, Bruce Lee Roy. Yeah, I love the way he fights. Um, Cliff notes, um, basically, Choi uh, landed an illegal knee on Alex, Mm -hmm. got a point deducted uh, that, you know, uh, Brandon said he can remember that's what he thinks. And um, then uh, Alex caught him in a scramble and submitted him. What submission was it? Okay. What? It was the rear naked choke. Rear naked choke. It doesn't say on my screen. I got the list of fights and who won, but it doesn't say how they won. It just says submission. Yeah, same. 
So is that what got us into the knee conversation? I guess uh, yes. Alex was on the ground. Gotcha. Yeah, well, yeah, well said, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you explain it. Yeah, the illegal knee was in the first round, and so they they stopped it. And I'm double trying to double check, but I'm pretty sure they took a point away. But they didn't stop the fight. And uh, then in the second round, um, Caceres came back and and got him uh, into the rear rear naked choke. Gotcha. I see. Did uh, Chow score a knockdown, or did they call that knee a knockdown? Because it's, it's giving him a was, knockdown on the score sheet. He was out striking him. I yeah, mean, Choi. Well, yeah, Choi was out striking him in the first and second, and and like I told the Shaggy, I mean. That doesn't mean that Bruce, that Leroy didn't look good. He still looked good with his movement and everything else, but Choi just looked really good too. And uh, and he was the one in control as far as the scoring goes, in my opinion. Uh, so I was kind of surprised when Caceres came back and won it in the second. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that, that that knee, that time that they've given him and all that, uh, like how does it, do you think that affected in a way to where he could come back and win? Like, gave him a moment? I mean, obviously, he recollected himself. But you said Choi was out striking him. Yeah. And neither one were, was doing a lot of damage. Choi, every minute or so, he was, he was finding his range and, and landing a shot or two. Um, and so... It wasn't heavy damage, like Caceres wasn't about to be knocked out or anything like that. But um I don't know that the knee like the, the time, the recovery time, that I don't think that was necessarily a big deal that, that shifted the fight or anything. Right. Uh, just fair enough to try to bring up. Um uh, he Brandon did bring up a thing that I thought was cool. How would you like to see Alex versus uh, um, O'Malley? Oh, that'd be a fun fight. Yeah, that would be a fun fight. That would be good. That's a good matchup. Yeah, I liked it as soon as he said it. Yeah, no, that's really good. Let's let's do it. <laughs> I'll sign it. <laughs> right after this, I'll get on the phone and start making some. I think I think O'Malley has to come in the favorite. I think he's a lot uh, a lot crisper, a lot faster. I think as much as I like Alex, I don't think he's a great fighter per se. I think he's flashy. I think he's fun to watch. Um, not that he's a bad fighter, but I think O'Malley's definitely a tier or two above. You know that that he's won five in a row now. Oh, has he? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that that's the impression i've had him with, with he's flashy and and um and inconsistent usually but uh but yeah he's put together a few in a row yeah that it, was it, one of those he taps two quick moments <laughs> <laughs> I put some spec on that name all right on to jessica rose clark and joseline edwards there wasn't a lot that happened there. Um, I mean, I'm not really too familiar with either of them. Um, Clark, she just kind of took her down and controlled her. She didn't really do much damage, but it was just kind of her showcasing her wrestling 
and just getting the takedowns and having control and not doing much else. Was it lay and pray? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Knees, bit, bit. Make knees to the head illegal. I mean, legal. And maybe those lay and pray moments would be a lot less. It would have spiced it up some more. Yeah. Bisping was was giving her a little bit of hard time. It's like, I don't want to give you a hard time, but I, I like to, to get excited and scream and yell up here and I don't have anything to yell about. <laughs> <laughs> what do you all think about, I know we all kind of don't like, I can just assume that we all don't like lay and pray fighters, but I mean, is it a, a legitimate way to win a fight? I mean, can you look down on them for doing it? In my opinion, it's a legitimate way to win a fight, but it's not a good way to build your career. Like, you're not going to have a lot of fans. Like, your company isn't going to be really excited to promote you uh, if if you're fighting in an, in an unexciting way, in my opinion. I agree with that, TJ. TJ is absent. He walked away again. Well, I guess we'll, we'll go with that then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you lay and praise bad. It's, it's not impressive at all, but Dana once said that he kind of, he doesn't like it either, but he once said that it's up to the, you're the, you're the fighter fighting at elite level. It's up to you to be able to have the skills to get out from underneath someone. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I know if I was a if I was a wrestler, and I was actually in a fight with someone that just I could not stand up against, I would lay down and tackle them and lay and pray if I couldn't do nothing with them. I mean, it is saving your ass. But then again, your fighter signing a contract to win a fight to be entertaining, I don't know. But you're right. It's a good way. To, I mean, it's a legitimate way to win a fight. Bad way to uh, your career. Because they're not going to throw you the best fights. You're not going to have the fan base, you know, the, the um, like you have in, in wrestling, you know, you have that heat or whatever. Like, you're not going to have any of that if you're not exciting, to at least to a degree. Like, yeah, if if you're not at the striking level of your opponent. Yeah, take them down. You know, you use that part of your arsenal. But I think the part that people don't like, I don't think people begrudge a fighter for taking someone else down. It's where the lay and pray comes in. It's like, yeah. you've got them, you've got them here. Now do something with it. You've got a clear advantage. Use it. And I think that's where people get, get frustrated or annoyed is that's do your damage now. To me, it doesn't show that you're a great wrestler because you've seen these great wrestlers lay and pray. To me, it just shows that you're a better person at taking them down and holding them, but a better wrestler, a great wrestler, would be grounding and pounding, working something, constantly working. Um, you know, you go back to the old days, the Tito Ortiz or Cole, Mark Coleman and all these ground and pound people. When they got you on the ground, they were damaging you. Randy Couture, Dan Henderson. 
And I don't know if I even see that anymore, that, that type of ground and pound. Tito could sit inside your guard and just drop elbows on you and wear your body out. And uh, they didn't lay and pray. They ground and pound. So Yeah, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. All right. So knees to the head solves that. We just solved that. All right. There we go. Yep. Grant Dawson and Rick Glenn. We should have done, yeah, we should have done our picks this week. Then TJ could have gotten his, <laughs> could have gotten his draw. <laughs> he would have picked jaw on the woman. <laughs> it, yeah, it would, it would have been the wrong one, but he, but we had it. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was it was a bit of an interesting fight too. Um, I mean, I don't really know either of these guys. I mean, the, the hype for Dawson coming in is that he'd won several in a row as a really good wrestler. And then um, Glenn was coming off an injury, so it's been a while that he, before he's even been in the ring. And so it, it kind of went as expected for the first two rounds where Dawson was just controlling him with the wrestling, uh, but, but Glenn was hanging in there. He'd wouldn't let him finish it or um, do too much damage or get a submission in or anything else. So he really hung in there and all that work that Dawson put out, you know, really, I guess emptied the gas tank. And so in the third round, I kind of got reversed and Glenn was the one that took him. I don't, I don't remember who took who down, but Glenn was the one that was controlling it once it got to the ground and he just wore Dawson down. He put him in, a choke at the end and the bell saved him. The bell stopped the fight, but it took Dawson so long to get up. Like, you know that he was that close to being finished and Glenn pointed it out and everything. And I think that really made the difference that the judges for the judges to see the third round as a 10, eight round because he, he took so long to get up after the bell was done. Uh, and so, so yeah, even though Dawson won the first two, Glenn got a 10-8 in the, um, the third to make it a draw. Do you agree with that draw, or you can see where they got it from? I do. Yeah, I, I saw it. I, I saw the first two rounds as Dawson, and it, it looked like Glenn was going to win the third. He was in clear control, and, and Dawson was just kind of worn out. Uh, it was borderline 10-8, but then when he had that choke and he had that choke in for like 10 seconds or so. So it was, it was pretty close. Uh, that the bell really did save Dawson. Well, it was, oh, you got to give some credit to Dawson then. Cause he gave a, from what you're saying, Rick Glenn gave him a, a reason to quit. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. Like he, he, he looked a bit disoriented and had a hard time getting up. So yeah, like it, uh, it definitely affected him. So I, I could see that being a 10-8 with, with the way that it finished like that. Hmm. You know, they said that we were going to have more 10-8 rounds, but I really don't see it that much in general. Like, I've, I, I would like I to see it. The, the must 10-point system, I, I think that's weird. Yeah. They adopted if, boxing to MMA. Yeah, I think more ten eight rounds are are valid. You know, I think there's a lot more times where that's what's actually going on in there. And I think 
uh, in my opinion, I'd rather them just score the fight as a whole as opposed to round by round. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad someone else said it. Uh, <laughs> I listened to a podcast with Hoyler Gracie. Uh, I believe it was Hoyler. I know it's Rick, Rick Hickson Gracie. Hickson Gracie. The, the best of the, the Gracies. I'm pretty sure it was Hickson. And uh, he was saying he thinks that whoever's winning at the end of the fight is the one who won the fight. He says he, he he didn't agree with the way rounds, but he says like just like in a in a real fight, whoever's winning at towards at the end of the fight is the one who won the fight. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but I can kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't necessarily completely agree that I'm sure there are situations where that's not the case, but in general, it, I would lean that way too. But if it's a close fight, but maybe the first three rounds went one guy's way, but they were close, and then the, the fourth and fifth, the other guy clearly dominates, I don't think the first guy deserves that just because he won three early rounds. Right, right. I think that it'd be so interesting if a league came along or if UFC made some rule changes, something to get big enough. Cause there's like a lot of different things we could try out. Um, uh, like not having rounds or maybe, maybe if we did have rounds, letting the fighters have a break, but um, not letting them being scored per round. But as the fight as a whole, I think that would be a bit better. There's also an argument for not having no rounds at all. Um, then, God, I had another idea in my head. Um, the the scoring system, instead of having a must 10, I wonder if it would be better just to score the fight, the points you'd give the fighter for... Um, no, because then they would just be takedown heavy. There's uh, definitely things that you can try and do to mix it up. And, you know, longer rounds or shorter rounds, like um, I think if you have longer rounds that the, that the fighters are either going to get gassed out and, and exhausted or they're going to be more cautious where um, they're trying to conserve their energy. Uh, I think maybe if you made it, tried out like three minute rounds there's more of a chance that that they'll have more in the gas tank and and go harder uh with with shorter rounds too but i mean that's something that you really gotta try all those different things out to see how it plays out uh with the real fighters well in pride they had first round was 10 minutes Mm -hmm. second round was five minutes and there was only two rounds right and they scored the fight as a whole pretty sure but the first fight because it's a fight they don't want to break it up they let it the first round 10 minutes and for pride that worked really well um i also have another idea i think this idea i think i would really love to see this that you cannot be saved by the bell i think that would be a great idea if someone is sunk in a submission okay you agree? That makes sense to me. I'd like to see that play out. Um, also, 
Um, I think it also depends on if if you want to give strikers more of an advantage or grapplers more of an advantage. I think the longer the rounds are, the more that the grapplers and submission artists are going to have an advantage. Uh, and the shorter they are, the more the strikers are going to have an advantage. Yeah, I can agree with that. I've heard many grapplers talk about how it takes so long to work on, especially someone that knows how to defend against you, for you to work and wear them down and get into the position that you want to get into and then try to sink in your the, the submission that you're going for. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um would it give that much more of an advantage to make the rounds longer to, for the grapplers? I mean, the, the strikers would obviously have an advantage if you just had a short burst round where they can just come in and, you know, blast and, you know, move and blast and move. Right. Uh, I mean, they're to a degree. Like, if if you have it go to the ground... If you have like a 10 minute round, you get them down and, you know, two or three minutes into it, you don't just have two or three minutes to work on it, but you've got seven or eight. I think that's like you were saying, the, the grapplers, if, if they have the time to wear someone down and get in position, then they can get that finished. But a lot of times they run out of that. So the longer rounds, I think, do give them more of an advantage where they can even be more uh, patient and methodical about doing it without having to, to fight against the clock. Yeah, and I know that might be boring for a lot of people, but I mean, that's kind of what the grappler knows. That's that's their main weapon, it, and it's you know wearing the other person down from carrying your weight. Right. Uh, it just depends on how exciting you want the sport to be, right? Yeah, I think that's where it comes to the organization to kind of decide what kind of product they want to create for the um. For the fans, absolutely. Right. But I really like, I just come up with the say by the bell, and I can't believe I haven't thought of this before. But there's so many submissions that were so close or locked in that I've seen, but then the bell has been, you know, saved the person. And I don't think that's right. And also, fighter um, striking wise, you put someone, you know, rocked. They're completely rocked. They're barely standing on their two feet, in two feet, and then the bell rings. To me, it's. I think the the striker should have the chance to finish it right there, because he earned that that moment. Yeah. Those are two interesting ideas. Hope TJ can get back quick enough to run those by him. But yeah, there's definitely well, okay. This team thing that you all have brought up—that's really interesting. Do you know much about it? Was it something that TJ said? Yes. Like different, um, like training facility. The the different the like gyms. Alpha, the different gyms like Alpha Male or um, yeah, different ones like that fighting against each other. Yeah. I think it would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be a different take on it. Didn't you all just say they had like a, there was something going on now? I'm pretty sure you messaged it, and it had like Anthony Pettis, or is that a oh, different? Oh, okay. Is yeah, different... it, 
competition? So there is like the the PFL, I think like Professional Fighting League. Um, it's it's not based around like the gyms, but you you take this league of fighters. Say you have um, like eight or twelve. I don't know how many they have, but they pick a certain number for that weight class, and they're they fight the other guys in that weight class. Say you have like four fights or six fights. You get a certain amount of points, like soccer. Like you get like a certain amount of points for a win. Um, like if it's if it's a knockout or a, a submission, you get more points than a decision win. And if you lose, you don't get any points. But I, it's interesting. And then like based on how many points you accumulate over those four fights or six fights, however many they have, then you make it to the playoffs, where it's like a tournament style playoff style to um to progress to the champion that sounds so interesting do you know what yeah. pfl is on i i believe espn really and oh. i haven't followed it too closely but i think they're up to the point where it's like they're going to have the championship like the the final fights and I mean, I think it's a good place for some up-and-coming people to make a name for themselves, and then I think you've got some actual fighters that are there, too. Like you mentioned, Pettis, um, I, I believe Rory McDonald's, um, you know, Verdum's a little bit older, but he's there, too. Jason Knight. Um, so there's some familiar names there, too. I like the idea of rewarding the fighters for a finish. Yeah. You know, that, that way there's that sense of urgency like you you're not just going to play it safe and and it kind of also prevents that whole kind of you know lay and pray thing just to grind it out to the end like you you need to get that finished to really have a good chance unless your team is already leading by so many points and then you decide to play it safe for that it, it's all individual fighters it's it's still not like and I'm not sure if TJ was talking about something else regarding that, but yeah, this it's all individual. No, this is well. You said um, okay, so okay, so I got it confused. Then it's not a team versus another team. It's the uh, the individual fighters that are racking up the points. Right. So say you had yeah. So like Alex Caceres would have like four fights throughout the year. And, you know, he loses one, wins two by decision, and gets one knockout, so he gets four points. And so he's trying to to get into one of those top spots where he can make the playoffs. That's still very interesting. Yeah, it is. And I like... How do they deal with the injuries, do you know? I think that it's something that you just have to plan for and just have an alternate ready because unfortunately you know with uh with mma that's something that you're just gonna run into more frequently than you want to and i think it's the same thing that bellator does you you have alternates that are ready to step in um for the tournaments you know if someone's not able to continue right okay what were you gonna say right before i i i asked that question oh no you're good um I lost my train of thought on what I was saying. Um, I'm afraid of that. 
We were talking about the PFL and. Yeah, I was just uh, trying to think the advantages that it had going. You have the points system where it creates the more urgency and then. Yeah, also like with with MMA, there's so much um, like a fighter can't lose. You know, if a fighter loses, it kind of just destroys the their image like if you have someone like ronda rousey um or some of these undefeated people when they lose it just really knocks them down but just about everybody is is gonna lose and so if you kind of have a league approach it's more forgiving like even if you were to lose one of your fights if you dominate the others you're still going to be in a good position you're still going to make the the playoff tournament you know still have a chance to get into the finals so i I think that is probably good too to, to be able to have have that working for you. I like that point. I know they used there was a time that they did have team fighting. I don't know what organization had it, but there was a uh kind of like a three v three, not all at the same time, but like um like the a, a league type team fighting. I guess it didn't go anywhere. It was a few years ago. I couldn't name you any fighters that were on it. I just briefly heard about it. But I think yeah, I saw. Do what? Some, I think I saw something similar to that, like a smaller league, where it was like different cities, like Chicago or or Phoenix, and they have, you know, six fighters that would fight against the other team. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I think that's the same one. I thought that was an interesting concept. The gyms pretty much do compete with each other on one way or the other, but a lot of fighters also jump gyms. GSP will fight, uh, train with Greg Jackson and they also go to TriStar. Um, but, but yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, I would like to check out PFL. Um Let's go to the last fight. I was hoping TJ would be back by now, but uh, let's talk about Paula Costa and Marvin Bettatori. Uh, now, I just from the buzz on the internet and everything, this was a, a hell of a fight. Yeah, yeah, it really was a good fight. Um, I mean, it, it's disappointing that there was so much that, that went on before the fight. You know, the whole shenanigans with him not making weight and, you know, resetting it and all of that. That's just, I was disappointed. That's completely unprofessional, I think, the way that that he approached that. Uh, But you get past all of that and you actually go into the fight. Yeah, it it was a really good fight. Um, It was kind of the opposite of what we had a few weeks ago when we had um, Santos and Walker. You know, they were these powerful guys who could knock the other one out. And so nothing happened because they were both being cautious. Uh, When when Costa and Vittori went out there, you know, they they didn't have. And I don't know if that was because they were fired up from all the stuff going on before the fight or what. But but neither of them uh, hung back. So, yeah, they really did engage and and go into it, which made it a really good fight. So, like, uh, what all was there? Like, what parts of the fight were stand out? Like, uh, run, run, run me by what you can. Uh, most of the rounds 
were similar to me, so it's kind of hard to separate themselves. Uh, it was a lot of Vittori uh, do with more volume, and and he still packed a punch. There was there was damage behind it too, but but Costa was the one that was more dangerous. Uh, he didn't land as much, but his shots did more, and so it was kind of going back and forth like that, and um, and so Vittori was just winning because of his output, uh, in my opinion. I think he had won... He had won most of the early rounds. And then, uh, you know, Costa kind of turned it up a bit more. In, in my opinion, I like, I would have scored it 48-47 for Vittori. I, th- I thought Costa did win two of the rounds uh, with v- Vittori taking the others just with his with his volume. Um, but I think one of the things that also turned things a little bit was in the fourth round, I think in the fourth round, uh, Costa poked him in the eye. And so he got a point taken away. Was that the first poke? Was... Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember there being any before that, but he poked him in the eye and got a point taken away. And um, after the fourth round, his his corner told him we're either winning or we're tied and i was like you just lost the point and you've been he's been doing more volume that's a weird thing to tell him but uh but yeah i th- i thought it was a really good fight but as far as going to the cards i thought that's that it came out the right way okay well i mean that's we just went over this not too long ago about corners giving weird advice to their fighters um but what I was going to say is, like, don't you find it weird that the ref gave him, was it that bad of an eye poke that he deserved a point taken away? Divided on it. Like, I, I'm i more for taking points away for the eye pokes just because that's already a rule going in and everything, and you know that. And, but it... As far as eye pokes go, it seemed like a normal eye poke to me. It didn't seem like anything like a worse foul than what you normally see. You think that had an effect on the decision? I, looking at the scorecards, I don't think it did because I think the ones that scored it that way, instead of being like 48 47, it was like 48 46. I'm looking at some of the stats of it. I don't have the scorecard, but I see uh, total strikes thrown by Marvin was 373, but he landed 214 of them. Mm-hmm. 373 strikes over a five-round period. Yeah, and and these guys are, are light heavyweights. They're not like featherweights. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Significant strikes. Um, yeah, he landed 190 significant strikes, which is not, I mean, is pretty big gap, I guess, from uh, Paula Costa's 163 significant strikes hit. That's that's still a lot of volume from both fighters. Yeah, I, I'd be interesting to see how that breaks down by round because I, I think Costa's are probably in the later rounds where he did most of that. So I picked it up in later rounds. 
Yeah, I mean, they they were going at it the whole time, so there wasn't really any lulls or 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 um, or dead periods. But but yeah, I think he probably did more of that in late rounds because I thought there was more of a discrepancy. Well, it says here uh, Paulo Costa was one for one for his takedowns, so he was a hundred percent for his takedowns, and uh, Marvin Vettori, uh, Vettori, sorry, is one for five. So like they they weren't trying to take each other down, but Paula did land one a high percentage. I wonder why he didn't try to do that more. I I guess he he had more confidence in his power that if that if he could that if he could land a shot with Vittori that he could do more damage that way maybe. I mean he he looked to they're both. Even though they're middleweights, normally they they both looked like they deserved to be in there at light heavyweight, but Costa was a little bit bigger. See, that always makes me crazy because light heavyweight's two hundred five, and you walking around with these guys around on the, in the street, there's no way they're two hundred five pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just not. Uh, yeah, I hate I missed stuff. I did that. Uh, there was a what they would say barn burner. Yeah, that that one was definitely worth seeing, and the um the Caceres one uh, was a good fight too. What's uh some future events? Do we already know what future events we got coming up? I was going to ask you that the the one that is coming on next week, I believe, is actually uh, a free fight. It's the UFC 267. I may have read it wrong, but I think where the timing and location or everything is, they decided to make it a free one. But it's um, Blockowitz versus Glover. So we've got the light heavyweight championship next week. Hold on, I'm trying to bring it up right now. Yeah, that. But yeah, while you wait, check. I'm sorry, keep cutting you off. The UFC, do you know which one it was again? What did you say it was going to be? Uh, yeah, next week it's 267. Okay. 267. Yeah, this card is a lot more stacked. I know TJ hasn't been as uh, enthusiastic about the last few ones, but this one uh, has got quite a few names on it, so I think it'll be more interesting. Yeah. Which it should be, it's free too. So, but th- th- that doesn't that doesn't bother me because uh, where I don't have like normal like even though it's free, wouldn't it still be on UF uh, ESPN Plus? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have ESPN Plus. You'd still have to pay the ESPN s- subscription, right? Yeah, not really a fan of the way they went that route with it. When is their um, contract with ESPN up? That's a good question. I don't know. I When I looked at it, I had the impression it was going to be a while. <laughs> but, I don't know, time goes faster and faster, so maybe by now it is almost up. Yeah, it's interesting where they'll go from there. Do you, uh, you expect them to sign back on with the ESPN? or I wish they'd get rid of the... Um... 
the Reebok deal. Yeah, I'm really not a fan of the whole like controlling the sponsorship thing like that. Yeah, I'm not either. I think it's a very messed up for the fighters, and it 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 takes money out of their pockets. Yeah. I'm trying to get the card. Now when I go to the website, I can't get their card. Yeah, I just use like the the score sports app is usually kind of where I look at it. Um and it gives me the names, but I can't click on the fighters to get more information, so that's a little aggravating. But you also have uh Peter Yan versus Corey Sanhagen. Um, I just seen that. Yeah, they they wanted Sterling to fight in that, but I guess he he wasn't quite recovered. So I think they might be making this an interim championship. Ooh. Alexander Volkov? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Hooker fights uh, Makachev. I think Makachev, yeah, he's a huge favorite in that. Um, I'm not sure how to say this other guy's name, but Chimev, he's fighting uh, Lee. He's a huge favorite. And then you have Ozdemir fighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, this one looks good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we've got some good ones coming up because there's this one, and then immediately after that, the week after that, November sixth, we have Usman and Covington. Ooh, Kobe Covington. That'd be the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobe Covington. Uh, we've got the the women's strawweight championship. So, um. Cheng versus uh, Thug Rose, that, that rematch. Ooh, really? Yeah, that, yeah, we've got Chandler versus Gaethje. Uh, so, yeah, all that's going to be on there for November, too. So, two weeks in a row. Max we'll Holloway to... fights after that on a UFC fight night on November 13th. Oh, yeah, Yair. That, that should be, like, the number one contender fight right there. <laughs> Wow, the next couple of weeks. Misha Tate's also coming back in a couple of weeks after that. Um, Doug Rose, and yeah, that one's going to be. Oh. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that card. Kamar Usman, Colby Covington, <laughs> Justin yeah. Gagey, Michael Chandler, Frankie Edgar, Marlon, uh, Marlon Barra. Alex Pereira. I don't know who Andreas McCollard is. is. How come Alex Pereira doesn't have a... Is that the same Alex I'm thinking of? It must not be. He doesn't have a picture on my screen. And I'm on UFC's main site. Yeah, yeah, the first three fights are bangers. Yeah, we'll definitely have a lot to think about or talk about. <laughs> yeah. Mauro Kobe, Rose Naminunes, Thug Rose, Sangwelly, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. <laughs> That's a good one. Frankie Edgar's always a name. He's always yeah. He's always a name. He's always in the ranks. Yeah, he's still he's ranked number eight. Yeah. He's still in top ten. Still still gotta get out hanging around. That's very true. Yeah. Well, damn. Uh, any more notes on anything right now? 
I mean, that really covers, I think, what we had for these fights. Uh, and then I think, like I said, we'll have a lot more to talk about with, with the coming fights coming up with those. Excited about those. Yeah, I'm really excited about those. I'm trying to figure out how to get a hold of TJ so he can stop the recording. Yeah, I think he was multitasking a little while ago, so he probably should should be there to to cut it off sooner or later. Right, but I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> if we Connor, I think what he does is he runs the 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 cast through a filter and like gets out some of the extra noises. But uh, I don't think he spends his time cutting out the the pauses and stuff like that. Yeah, and I forgot all about it while I had his computer down here when he was down here this weekend. So that's why I didn't get around to it because of my my old uh, his brother uh, Seth, my oldest son, he just turned sixteen, so it was like, yeah, his so it was that deal. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's pretty time-consuming, all that stuff behind the scenes, all the editing and stuff like that, when you really get into it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to hop off here without, well, I mean, I guess we can just hang up and hope he catches a recording. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I'll have to hop off soon anyway, so I guess we'll, <laughs> so what we'll have to do is just... Uh, I'm sure he'll figure it out when we're not there. Hey, TJ, if you get back soon enough, you can re-listen to us and then add your own comments in. <laughs> just edit them in. Yeah, just cut and paste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll just sound like we're ignoring him and everything that he said. <laughs> or if he sends his time, he can probably make up better points and try to override us. Ah, uh, Yeah. <laughs> the um the debate rebuttal yeah yeah all right man uh i think that went well i'll catch you later all right man take it easy same